Good afternoon. May I ask that uh, we turn again to Luke and chapter 1. We'll read the same passage we read in the morning. And we'll continue uh, in our consideration of a portion of the text that we shall read. Luke chapter 1, we'll read from verse 39 to verse uh, 56. And the Bible reads as the Bible reads as follows. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to see me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. May the Lord bless the reading of his word again. And may I ask that we just pray together before we look at what the Lord has for us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to pause before your presence and ask that it may please you to grant to us a blessing from you, the living God. The blessing of knowing that which you want us to hear today the blessing of uh, the actual practicality of your presence uh, with us, the blessing of knowing that God does care for us and therefore he sets us in the right direction. And cause, therefore, that as we do so and as we receive this from you, cause that there will be no error on my lips and also cause that there will, these people before you 
will all hear what you want them to hear, and myself included. In all these things, O God, that you may glorify yourself in our midst, and that you may indeed condescend and come and be with us, because we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When you look at the text that we're going to look at together, which is uh, verse uh, 51 to 55 closely, you see the acts of, of God. And uh, in this psalm of Mary, when uh, she indeed came to, ter- came to terms with the fact of how God was uh, using her, and uh, what uh, was going to become of her. And her relative Elizabeth seeing all this and being made to understand all the movements of God. And as they came together, uh, in, um, in, as they mused over these things and, and uh, put these things to their thoughts and wondering what was going on, it wasn't a wandering in the dark, so to speak. It was a wandering with great gratitude to God, but also a musing of uh, how God indeed has been faithful to his people. And this uh, psalm of Mary, you know, she starts this psalm in the singular thought, my soul magnifies the Lord. And as she goes on, she notices uh, this is a blessing for all, and then she begins to think in the plural from uh, verse 50 onwards, she's thinking in the plural, and uh, is thinking of all these things that God has done for them as a people. And uh, many times we, we gloss over these things, and we, we shouldn't, because in this is a great uh, reminder of who God is, and also an expression of God's uh, intent towards uh, his people and also a true record of the acts of God. And indeed, that's what we have in verse 50 all the way to verse uh, 55. But we looked at verse uh, 50 in in, in the morning and we saw that indeed, the mercies of God, the mercy of God actually uh, is continuing for us even today. That God attends to us and that indeed that which he did through Mary and that which he did through the apostles is continuing to us and we receive the blessing of the salvation of God in its fullest extent. But Mary goes further and says he has shown strength with his arm in verse 51. And he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped the, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our forefathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You see how Mary is musing about what God has done 
and you see how she looks at herself and uh, the chosen of Israel and uh, then looks at others and sees that theirs is indeed a tremendous blessing that they have God who cares for them, God who looks after them. And in all this, therefore, Mary is indeed dwelling on what God has done for his people. And it's basically this fact. It is God's faithfulness to his people. It's acts of God's faithfulness to his people that uh, we see. That God who made us for himself is indeed now indeed true in every way. And also in his truth, he is working not only in me, Mary would muse, but in others as, as, as well. And she sees therefore the great effect of all these events. And so we saw in uh, verse 50 that it is from generation to generation. It is for generations, actually, as the right rendering is. And her soul is filled with greatness and uh, the goodness of God upon her. And so she starts this whole uh, psalm. My soul magnifies the Lord. In other words, my soul gives God the very best from in, within me. My soul indeed worships God. And I want to worship God. And I want everybody to see these things. That's why she has moved from the singular sense, as we see in her, the first stanza of her her psalm, so to speak, the first stanza, if you like, being up to verse 49. And the next stanza, uh, verse uh, 50, goes and includes uh, everybody else, if you want to look at it uh, that way. And I want us to see uh, these things and see uh, three aspects of uh, the works of God, the acts of God, and the acts of God's faithfulness, and see them from the viewpoint of Mary in her excitement, Mary in her worship. And you see Mary in full flight, not just rejoicing uh, like a person of this world when she sees that she is indeed uh, specially favored. She's not like those of the world who say, you see, it's me. It's me who has been chosen, and I am the special one. Rather, these thoughts humble her, and the first thing she does is to see God, and to see God as God himself, who indeed must be magnified. And later on, she sees that indeed in this is her joy, and uh, there's no greater thing that God can do than to do these things that he is uh, doing. And that's when she sees herself as indeed uh, blessed. And from now on, all generations will call me uh, blessed. And she notices that she was of lowly estate. That's why she says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. But notice, friends, that she is elevated in thought by God himself and elevated in thought about her state. And that's why the thing that hits her is she goes on in uh, reflecting personally about what God has done is this, that holy is his name. But more I want us to see together 
is the fact of uh, what he now comes to terms with as the works of God. And the first one is, is, is this, that generally God does mighty things. And sometimes we do not notice uh, this thing. But here is a thing that this psalm brings to us. It is that he does marked, mighty acts, but when he does so, it is for his people as, as well. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And Mary sees this and does a comparison, the strength of his arm. And yet there are those who think that they have the strength, but he wrought strength. He he's done and expressed his power before us. Now, we all know that God is spirit. And uh, human language is used here when he says he has shown strength with his arm. The, the arm is, uh, is normally uh, a sign and a symbol for, for strength. Even today in our emojis on the phones, when you want to say it's powerful, there is that emoji of uh, an arm showing a big muscle. Powerful. And uh, that's the sense in which this is brought in, uh, in this po uh, poetic language that is uh, put here. It's, it's symbolizing, symbolizing the, the strength of God and symbolizing what he does uh, generally. And you consider this from the fact of uh, Mary's visit, uh, therefore. She goes to her relative and greets her. And what you see, there is the effect of the power of God, even upon the person she has visited, Elizabeth. The baby in her leaps, the Bible records uh, for us. And more than that, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in other words, this whole occasion is in the control of God. And we shall see more of this uh, later in, uh, in, in verse 52. But here it is, the strength of a man is seen in the effects of his arm, actually. Any single man, uh, when you say he is a powerful man, he's got power, he's got strength and so on, usually expressed in what he's able to do uh, with his arms in the physical sense. But also when we speak collectively of the power of uh, a nation, it has to do with the arms that uh, they have. And when you say he's flexing, the nation is flexing its muscle, Russia flexing uh, its muscles on uh, Ukraine, we, we, we are saying flexing the muscle. That's the, that's the language that he is, is, is here. But friends, the greatness of his strength is far more than uh, what is seen here. And, and actually, Mary sees more than what is uh, beheld here. She sees the God who has called her. She sees the God who has called her to this very special uh, duty. 
the God who actually has the whole world uh, in his hands. And when, when you consider the pictures that are given in Scripture of uh, the, the, the power, the strength of God, I think you will agree with me that there is, there is no comparison. No one can uh, be uh, compared to who God is in, in his strength. And uh, all the strength of the world put together we, we will not match with uh, the strength and the power of, uh, of, of, of God. And that's why Isaiah, when he comes and says in uh, Isaiah 40, if you can turn to Isaiah 40, just let's read together, he, he paints this. And he says from verse 1, Comfort, comfort, my people, says uh, your, your God. And speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her warfare is ended. Jump to, get to verse 9. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, and say to the cities of Jerusalem, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. There is the picture again. His arm rules for him, and behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? See that it comes from Jerusalem. Your warfare has ended. And here, behold your God. And try to bring all the things that come to uh, be used for comparison's sake. You weigh, you measure, you gather, and you find that indeed God is above all these things. But just the fact of this very thing, that the Lord comes with mighty and his arm rules for him in verse 10 of Isaiah uh, and, and, and chapter 40. The Lord comes with mighty and his arm rules for them. Now, Mary, being a Jew of the line of David, these things should have known about her God. And so she sings and rejoices and her soul magnifies the Lord and she says he has shown strength with his arm. And therefore, those that set themselves up above God or think that they are above God, she says he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And all these 
who indeed set themselves up, and you notice the language of warfare in, uh, in Isaiah, that her warfare is, is ended. All those who come and think that they can thwart God's purposes, all these things are just things that are indeed a creation of their own minds. A thing that is not real. And therefore, why do the nations rage and the peoples of the earth plot in vain? You see, the one who is seated in heaven, as the psalmist says, looks and he laughs. And this is the picture. So salvation has been obtained. And salvation, indeed, was going to come, even to come at this great price of the Son of God coming to come and die in our place. And even as the world took him up and nailed him to the cross, that was just thoughts of their hearts. And that did not stop what God had there for purpose to do. Friends, this says something to us. It says something. For Mary, she magnified the Lord. She rejoiced in God. And she worshipped God. This thought that indeed God in his mighty power, he does generally all his, his works. What, what does that do to you? How does it cause you to act and react? We've got a great example here before us of a young lady coming to full terms with the works of God and how she was going to be used, dear friends. And this was her reaction. God indeed comes to you on a daily basis with all his strength. One of the things that we lose sight of is the fact that uh, when God is present, he is present with all his power. A little Sunday school girl would tell you when you ask her, where is God? She will tell you, God is everywhere. And God is, uh, is, is here. And you notice, dear friends, therefore, that all events are actually in God's hands. And I want us to see this more as we, we, we go further. And, and, and therefore, when you say to yourself, he has shown strength to me, is it only on occasions when you're in deep trouble? Is it only in times when you come to seek God? It must be in all times. And in this season that we are in, therefore, as a people of God, when the world is busy being in this mode of celebrating and the festivities and they don't know what they're doing, it is for us, dear friends, to show the arm of the Lord. It is for us to show strength with his arm. The world may go on, but listen, God will scatter everything that does not accord with his purposes. 
We can go out, therefore, in the strength of the Lord in this work of evangelism that we have called ourselves to as a church. It's a great work. And therefore, the work of God concerning his gospel will succeed. Will succeed, and this is indeed our comfort. This is our encouragement that God in our midst indeed will do great things uh, for us. And when we have failed, it's nothing about God because he will scatter the proud because all this is just things that are indeed things in their hearts. God designed how the Messiah was going to come. God designed how he was going to bring salvation uh, to us. And in this, you notice, therefore, in verse 52, and I would like us to proceed, that even rulers are under his control. Even rulers are under his control. He scatters the proud in their hearts. In the work of salvation, God has got a purpose that will be fulfilled. And nothing and no one will thwart the purposes of God. Here it is in verse 52. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And exalted those of humble estate. Uh, see what Mary uh, says, where it comes from, for, in verse uh, 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And that is her contemplation about herself. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And today we look at Mary differently, and there are even those who confuse themselves and uh, exhort her to a place that actually when you look at this, she wouldn't have wanted that estate that people uh, give her now. Her contemplation was that it moved her to humility. So don't, don't pray to Mary. When you get to heaven, ask her. She will tell you that that was no intent of us because it wasn't in the Lord's plans. But look, she contemplates and looks at a humble estate, but she says those who indeed think that they are the mighty of the earth and that indeed they just indeed raise a finger and everybody around will come running around, will come bowing uh, before them and so on. And it is clear therefore that he, he, here what is being spoken of uh, are the, the rulers, the mighty, what it says, the mighty from their thrones. But actually, not just those who rule, but those who think they have great power, he brings down. I'd like to refer you to Isaiah again, to another passage of uh, scripture in Isaiah. Turn with me there to Isaiah and chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, 
something I want you to see. Even the one who exalts himself is uh, the, the mighty one in the world. Verse 12 of Isaiah 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O Desta, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nation's law. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Even the very one, therefore, from what we see here, the one who pours around like a rolling lion seeking someone to devour. This is a record. But you are brought down to Sheol, verse uh, uh, 15, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. In this, the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the heavens, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities and who did not let his prisoners go home. God brings the mighty down. He will bring them down. And even the devil himself will be brought down who wanted to set himself above the most high. He will be brought down. And dear friends, even his cohorts, even those that rule without the very thought of God in this world, the mighty are brought down from uh, their thrones. Isn't this the record of history? How many so-called potentates have we known in this world? And where are they today? Even Shaka, who caused that uh, my kinsmen should now be losses with a combination of another tribe that moved from Congo, meeting, and then we become losses. Where are they today? They are gone. Where are the great nations we have known of in the past? They are gone. And where are those who set themselves up? They will equally go. But here is what will stand. It's those of a humble estate. And if you want an example of the humble estate, here it is. Mary says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The servant, is, she's talking about is herself. And see how she was humble even when uh, she was told, you are the most favored of uh, the earth. And blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from uh, the Lord. She did not respond by saying, yes, I am she. I am the one, the mother of the Savior of the world. She says in her own words, looked on the humble estate of his servant. Do you know why these people like this, those who indeed 
uh, are humble before the Lord, do you know why they continue? It's because theirs is not about this life here. Uh, the life here is, is not what we aim for. It would be very sad if when we, became, we become Christians, we, we go for life here. This, this life here, it will afford you no peace. You know, even when you think you've got everything in this world, all the riches that you can master, those riches actually, every so often, they, they laugh at you because they, they don't give you the satisfaction of life. The only thing that gives satisfaction is what God does for you. And what has God done uh, for us is to give us inheritance in his own abode, which he's preparing for us, prepared for us specially with the best architect the world has ever known, built by the best engineer that can ever build. That must be a magnificent place. But more than that, it is the fact that you can engage yourself in ensuring that his purposes here on earth are being fulfilled. You, you, you can engage yourself in ensuring that the things that God has planned indeed come to pass. And so you see the application of the fact that indeed he shows strength with his arm, it is a fact that there is something for you to do. The application of the fact that he brings down the mighty is also the fact that indeed if he is to exhort the humble, and you exhort your humble estate, it is that through you, his purposes must be fulfilled. Oh, friends, therefore, our calling as Christians is indeed a higher calling. They might think of themselves secure, but soon they find that they are wasted. For us, in all our humble estate, we become those of whom there is a special hand of God upon our lives. And therefore, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Friends, from that which is provided for them to wield authority, even that is taken away. You remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar? You do remember? Reduced to nothing. And uh, uh, we might not go that far. I want also to remind you of various uh, rulers that we have known. Even those who may not be rulers of nations, but uh, the, the world authority, and within a short time, uh, they are removed from their positions of comfort, and they are brought low. And sometimes when you see them, they look miserable. And all because they ignored that there is one who has the whole world in his hands. There is one who rules even their very deeds of wielding authority, even the very things that they think they can be able to do as they please. And that is why, that is one of the reasons why the apostle Paul would say that we pray for governing authorities. But that's why also the Apostle Paul will say that indeed even these governing authorities 
are actually, uh, if you like, ministering angels in God's hands. Don't think of them any higher. And uh, don't idolize them in any way. There is one who indeed puts them in place and brings them down. But also, in the thoughts about yourself, humble yourself before God and make yourself available for God and walk in his statutes, know him, know his word. And as you know his word, what becomes clear is God's purposes for your life. I often tell young people who come to me and say, hey, I want to know God's will for my life. And oftentimes you say to them, how is your walk with the Lord? Are you reading the scriptures daily? Read God's word so that you can understand who God is, so that you can understand his ways. And as they go on, you watch their lives as they go on. And a while later, you ask them, what is God's purpose for your life? They will answer you very clearly. They will say, it is still to know God. It is still to know him and to enjoy him. And indeed, they will come to know man's ultimate purpose here on earth. And everything seems to fall in place. And those who do not therefore go to Holy Writ, they don't read the Bible and spend time uh, uh, in, in knowing God, they, they seem to be struggling all the time. And you, you go to them and remind them, what is that song in Sunday school if you want to grow? Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow, grow, grow. It's, it's, there's no formula. It is just a fact of getting into his word. It's just a fact of knowing who God is. And this example that we have, Mary knew who her God was. She knew. Immediately things become clear to her. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She, she throws her thoughts back on who God is, throws her thoughts on what God is doing in her life, throws her thought on who God is in the whole world and throws her thoughts on what God is doing in all generations to come and those generations that had gone past and in our own generation. is throw her thoughts on the fact that indeed God is at work even now. And therefore, that is the meaning of God exhorting those of humble estate. It is elevating their minds to get fulfillment from God himself. It is not being elevated to extreme wealth, to having a disease-free life, but rather being exhorted to the true worship of the living God, being exhorted to the true service of God. Friends, this Christmas, this period, this year, may you be elevated with these thoughts. But dear friends, there is another third aspect that this psalm and this that Mary mused about filled her mind with. And it is this, that God has particular interest in his people. God has particular interest in his people. And see how Mary puts it. After moving from seeing that God indeed works his works of, uh, of the strength of his arm, that he brings down the mighty and elevates the humble, she says this in her psalm. And we read this in scripture, therefore. He has filled the hungry with good uh, things. 
and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. See what is, is brought here. The hunger, being filled with good things, is not about being filled with, with food. It's being filled with all the goodness of life. And the goodness of life is about knowing God. And uh, she sees this and says, there are those who are filled with all the goodness of God. God is good. And the very definition of, of, uh, of God is that he is good. He is good towards us. And this is what he fills us with. He fills us with all the goodness of life, friends. The goodness of life is about all the blessings one can master from God, beginning with the blessing of salvation. This is the ultimate good that one would want to have. And Mary, remember that all these were events about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he was coming to bring salvation to all and to generations to come and generations which had gone by. And the first goodness, therefore, it is about this very event about Mary and her virgin birth. It is the birth of the Savior. And it is the fulfillment, as verse 45 says, the fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The fulfillment that indeed she was going to bear a child and that they were going to name him uh, Jesus. And this was going to be fulfilled in, in her. And so Elizabeth's child leaps and when she's, he, she comes to also know the fulfillment of the purposes for which God had called her. The fulfillment of the purposes that God has called you is that which is good. And therefore your soul will be filled. We will not go very far. We see all this from the text. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And she feels this in her innermost being. And she says, my spirit rejoices in God. That which is uh, indeed the very best is what she felt. May you feel the same. What is it that you feel to be the very best? May it be that which Mary felt. And Mary felt this that I see, that I feel, that I'm knowing, rejoices my soul. And therefore, her hunger was filled. And friends, this is a hunger for the Lord. And this is in line with the Beatitudes that we read of in Matthew chapter 5. That indeed, blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. You, you will be filled if you are hungering and thirsting for the Lord, you will be filled. Because God wants to bring these blessings uh, to your friend. And notice that it is the hungry that he feels. Have you ever seen a baby? When the baby is, is hungry, how the baby will clutch at the mother's breast and really suck away the nutrients of life. And this is the picture that we have here. 
that you will be filled with the nutrients of uh, true life. And dear friends, God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, for very living of our daily lives, and for us to know more of God. He has given us, he has filled the hungry with good things. We can sit here all the while enumerating the good things that he has given us. Our salvation, and just the mere walk with him, and just the fact of uh, being called by his name, and just the fact of having this blessed assurance that one day we will be with him in glory. Look at how he says, uh, what the, the text says, that the rich he has sent away empty. The rich in this world, with all their wealth, he sends them away empty. Haven't you noticed that the rich, when they die, they actually die without their riches. Their riches don't follow them to the grave. They leave them here. And they get to the gate of heaven and they find that indeed those riches they had do not follow them. And they are sent away, away from me, you worker of iniquity. But those who trust in the Lord, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are received gloriously into heaven. She goes further in her musing of these things in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And no, notice how she goes further now and brings the entire aspect of the fulfillment of the redemption plan of Israel. Because Israel stands as a type of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that church, it is about remembrance of his mercy as we looked at this morning. That in his mercy, and when you talk about his mercy, it's the hiding of the wrath of God, and in that place of the wrath of God, it's the kindness, the compassion, and the forgiveness of God. Our God is a God who, even in his wrath, he remembers mercy. And it's great that what she puts here is this word remembrance. A remembrance. And God's remembrance is not like our remembrance. Our remembrance is very susceptible to forgetting. And if you still are actively remembering, 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 your age keeps on going and going and going. When you get old, you don't even remember your name. But God, his promises stand firm. And that's why she makes reference about what was spoken to our fathers, Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Remember the promise that Abraham was given, that his descendants will be so many like the sons on a seashore, that indeed he will be followed with the salvation of God, both for himself and for all those that will come. And indeed, Abraham is our father. And dear friends, what a great blessing to belong to God, that 
What God has promised will stand. His promises are yea and amen. And this is what we have. But more than that, all these things, it is a remembrance of his mercy. God remembers to be merciful to us. And this is why this thought of Mary's son is such a tremendous uh, blessing. All we need is for God to be merciful to us poor, miserable sinners. That's all we need. And then salvation flows to us. And then we have a hope for heaven for sure. All we need is his mercy. That is all we need. Forgiveness is always a great thing. It is always a great thing. You can even see when your child has done something wrong and you are very angry. And even when you spank the child, you do not spank to the extent of destroying and killing. You only spank to the extent of correcting the wrong. And when you have done so, you notice that you have spanked a child, a child comes and still embraces you. Uh, I can't spank my children anymore. They are all grown, but I, I try to spank a little to my grandchildren. But they have never gone away and said, you cook never more to come back to you. They, they still come. And uh, a parent always enjoys that moment when uh, the child still comes and embraces you. But look, our God is one who forever, forever remembers mercy uh, towards us. It's, it's a mercy of uh, being forgiven of all our sins. And friends, we shall enter heaven forgiven, dressed in the righteousness of our Savior himself. That righteousness which is perfect, that is what God puts on us. So he doesn't only remember mercy, but you see, the remembrance of God is a remembrance of substituting our sins with the righteousness that he provides for us. And all these things, therefore, that we have uh, talked about, the great things that he does, and also the fact that even the rulers are in his hands, and the fact, now the fact of the fact that he has got particular interest in us, his people. It is the blessing of God saying, it is not about you anymore. It's a remembrance of mercy which has substitution in full mind and in full view. It's a mercy that indeed beholds you and looks at you not in the nature of the nature with which you were born, but looks at you in the nature of God himself. Oh, friends, with all these blessings from God, with all these things that he has done, and to the fact that he has designed all these things through this one who was to be born through Mary, and that was fulfilled, he lived here on earth, died and rose again with all these things, all these things being brought before you. What person ought you to be? And you answer for yourself. And in this period, 
when the world is talking much about uh, these festivities, so to speak, what festivity comes to your mind? I pray it is a festivity of the fulfillment of the purposes of God. This fulfillment of the purposes of God caused Mary to indeed explode with this magnificent. She exploded and said, My soul indeed magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. All that you would explode in the same way as you think about God in these ways, therefore, that he remembers mercy, and it is a mercy that remembers that substitution for which he came to bring for us today. And it is one from generation to all generations until we enter heaven. Friends, may this tell us that there is a great work for Jesus today. May it also tell us that there is a great service we must do for Jesus. And may it also say to us we must indeed desire to honor and glorify him in our lives. Our Christianity is not a Christianity of a Christianity on Sunday alone. And our Christianity must not be dictated to by events in our lives. When things are hard and difficult, then you go down, bow down with your head, and you cannot even see God's purposes even in those uh, difficult moments. Oh, friends, here it is. God has designed all these things, has designed your salvation. He's designed for these good things, his acts of blessing, and his acts that... He does all the while well, acts that he wants so that indeed you may enjoy the real life of true salvation in himself. He is faithful to us. And all these things are acts of faithful to us, his people. Can you imagine that all events in his hands, he does them, and all these things that we see, he does them, and he still has us in his mind to the extent that he knows us so well. He knows the numbers of the hairs on our heads, and that shows that we don't even know ourselves as much as he knows uh, us. And collectively together, as a body of believers, it is that he is faithful to us as a church, and therefore may this church respond also in faithfulness to God. It is a great joy when you see these things fulfilled. It was a great joy for Mary to see these things fulfilled in, in, in her. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And she goes and sees the acts of God and she sees them as acts of God's faithfulness. And may you see all these things therefore as acts of God's faithfulness to you individually as a person, but be like Mary and see these things collectively as acts of God fulfilling his purposes among his people and also keeping very high interest of those he has called to his own. Friends, may these thoughts be used of God to bless you this Christmas. And may you respond in truth to God and in being a true believer 
also. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Our Father, the record of Scripture we have read says, as you spoke to our forefathers, and so you do even today. And you have granted to us what you granted to them. The man Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, now ascended on high, in whom all nations indeed are blessed. And may we see this, therefore, rejoice in these things and respond in true worship to you and respond in true service to you. Particularly now that indeed our thoughts may not be guided by the thoughts of the world in not knowing who is being celebrated, but that our thoughts may be guided and in true response to you, O God, and to what you have done, that we may be true to our own calling and that indeed we may seek to do that which pleases you. Oh, bless these thoughts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.